0: All right, so good evening everybody. So good to see you here. Uh, It's so good to be here to join you. Uh, Thank you very much for uh, the introduction. Uh, My name is Lucas Johnson. I am currently a PhD candidate here at the University of Alabama in the Department of Physics and Astronomy. Uh, I'm getting my uh, degree. I'll be walking in August with a PhD in astrophysics, uh, studying specifically uh, galaxy groups and clusters and their evolution over cosmic time. So when galaxies collide, cool stuff happens, and I try to figure out what is that? Like, what, what, what's going to happen when these crazy things occur out in the far, far distant universe? So it's pretty fun. If you're interested, find me afterwards. I'll talk your ear off way more than you want to know. But, you know, hey, if you're interested, ask me. There's a lot of cool things I've found over time. Uh focusing on what we're talking about here. So number one, this week, today and next week, while I'm here again to join you, this is a dialogue, all right? I'm talking with you, and that means I want you guys to talk with me. So please, any thoughts you have, any opinions you would like to share, bring that to the table, because that is how we learn When you're presented with things that you've never thought of before. Ways to view things that you've never imagined that it could be viewed from. Different angles, different perspectives, different life experiences give rise to learning. And how else can we do that but talk and share with one another? So, I invite you at any point, talk to me. Talk to each other. Let's discuss and let's learn and let's grow. So then... I'm going to start with a few a few questions to pose to you. Okay, just think to yourselves. What if I were to tell you that God is an idea? What if I were to tell you that God is nothing more than a manifestation of the ignorance of human beings? What if I were to tell you that God is a sadistic and an egomaniac? What if I were to tell you that you are a delusional fool for believing in something that is an impossibility? Okay. So how do you feel right now? How do those questions make you feel that I just posed to you? Anybody anybody? I know how I feel, but I don't know how you feel. <laughs> uh I'm not apparently. Hello? Can you Yeah, okay, there we go. Hey, say that one more time, Hannah. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Somebody else. How do you feel right now? Awkward. Awkward. Yeah. No. <laughs> legit. No. That's that, that's that's perfect. Thank you. That's perfect. Awkward. Yeah. Agree. An easy, uncomfortable. If Alvin follow up on that, why? Why do you think you feel that way right now? Mm hmm. So like, that that like, yeah. It feel right. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. I got you. Okay, so following up on that a little bit, do you believe that these questions and questions like these are important? See a few nods. Okay. Not on the slides. But if you think they're important, how much have you thought about them in your life to this point? How much time and intellectual power have you spent trying to answer these questions if you say they're important? Hopefully a lot. You may not have an answer yet. That's not what I'm asking. That's not what I'm saying. How much time have you spent trying to wrestle with these questions? And then... Bring that together. What are your answers to these questions? Okay. Let me pose some harder questions for you. Why should I care about God? I don't need anything. I'm fine. I've gotten a bachelor's, a master's. I'm about to get a PhD. I graduated summa cum laude in my class. Married to a wonderful woman, never needed or wanted for anything, family that loves me, friends I think that like me, I I don't need anything. Why should I care about God, your God, any God? Why should I care about God? My family is starving. Where is your God? Why will he not answer me? Why should I care about God? Science proves he isn't real. Why should I care about God? He obviously doesn't care about me. So I want to tell you a story. It's a true story. When I was 14 years old, my grandfather, on my mother's side, was diagnosed with an extremely rare uh, form of, uh, I believe it's uh, a, a fungal meningitis. Only one in one million people ever contract, and fewer than that actually die. He was unfortunately one of the ones who died. Three months he spent painfully losing his mind until he passed away. Less than a year later, my other grandfather, a Vietnam War veteran, died of cancer seven months loved them dearly integral part of my life I knew they loved me why did God do that to me? so now I'm step back for a second What in this, I want you to talk here. What would you say to me in that moment? You are my friend. I'm hurting in front of you. Something terrible has happened. What would you, as the hands and feet of Christ, say? Maybe you've had to do this before. Maybe you've been this before. So, knowing the answer to these questions is called apologetics. Knowing what you would do if you're faced with these situations is called apologetics. It's a big fancy word that simply means, in the defense of. You can be an apologist for why pancakes are the best breakfast food ever, okay? As long as you articulate arguments defending your belief, that is apologetics. I would highly recommend pursuing more worthwhile things, but it's a th- you could do it. So, this, ser- this series for this month is going to focus on you. What do you believe? And more importantly, why do you believe it? Why? So, opening up dialogue here again, have have any of you, just a show of hands, been faced with a situation like this in some way, shape, or form that I just described? Maybe it was a friend that lost someone. Maybe you lost someone. Something terrible happened. Some question, I see a lot of hands, some question about life, those hard questions that just stick with you, that demand an answer, yet it seems an answer is extremely hard to give, at least a good one it seems like. And again, I pose to you, what are your answers to these questions? I'm going to keep coming back to that. What are your answers to these questions? Because I can tell you answers all day long, but you parroting something is not taking ownership of what it is that you have within you. I'm t- I am here to equip you. I'm going to throw a bunch of tools at you and see what sticks. And whatever you like, chuck it in your toolbox. Save it. Use it. Hone it. Grow with it. And hopefully, by at least the end of tonight or even next week, you can tell me what tools you want me to supply you. And I'll do the best that I can for next week. But we'll get to that. All right, go ahead and hop to, the, hop to the next one. So, quick bio for me, uh, Lucas E. Johnson. Yes, E stands for Edward. That's my dad's middle name. So uh, yes, I got that. 27 years old, I'm interested in reading, board games, music, video games, stuff like that. You no, know, some of it got cut off. Video gam, apparently. <laughs> um, I do have, just for qualifications, not saying this toot, moan, horn, I just want you to know who it is, You know what I've done and that I at least I believe you can trust most of what I say. Don't trust all of it, but most of what I say. Um, I received my bachelor's in physics, concentration in astrophysics and a mathematics minor from the University of Alabama back in 2008. I did graduate summa cum laude uh, in, in my class. Uh, I then went on to graduate school here at the university as well, uh, gained a research assistantship under one of the professors. Um, I then received my master's in astrophysics, and I'm currently a research uh, assistant under my professor again. For fun- I have- I'm funded, and uh, I'm about to get my PhD in astrophysics. Uh, And I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. Does one of these things not look like the other to you? Well, uh, anybody? No? (laughs) Well, most people would say that people like me are a walking contradiction. Right? Why would a scientist be a follower of Christ? Why would any smart person be a follower of Christ? That's a great question. Glad you asked. Well, in fact, just to, just to show that I'm, you know, there's a people say, people say, well, people have done research on this. The next slide. Uh, research done by the Pew, uh, the Pew Research Group in 2002 found that the higher a country's IQ, average IQ for the population, the less important religions of any kind become to any given person of that country. So you can see here, in the, if you take a look at any of the screens closest to you, uh, on the x-axis on the bottom here, this is the uh, percentage of people that consider religion very important in their life. On the right-hand side is 100%, left-hand side is 0%. On the y-axis, we have the average IQ of that country. IQ of 60 is at the bottom here, IQ of 110 is at the top. give you an idea, the average American has an IQ of around 100. This graduated high school, roughly. So we can see, all of these countries, these were taken across the world. So we're looking at Eastern, Western, they even went into uh, South America, Africa. They really did did their research, did their homework, trying to get as many different people groups as possible. And we see a pretty clear trend. The smarter a country is as a whole, the less important religious affiliation becomes. The only outlier is America. Which is a fun sociological comment for later. Uh, But, yeah, that's kind of fun. They circled America because we're a little weird in this aspect. But the statistics show this proves that religion is nothing more than an artifact of human ignorance. Meaning that we, as an ignorant barbaric race, ages ago, needed to explain the world because we could not. What better way than to invoke a higher power that allowed us to fill in the gaps that our brain needed to fill in. We need to understand things as humans. And so, we created a way to understand it. A false way, but a useful way. And hence, religion was born. It's an artifact because it isn't needed anymore. We have reason. We have smartphones. We have Facebook, okay? We don't need God. Well, I propose to you, yes we do, for many reasons. Uh, go ahead and hop to the next one. Now, there is some fundamental lingo that I'm going to have to throw at you here. I apologize, it's, I know you're not in school right now, but we do need to cover a couple of definitions. Some of these you may be familiar with. I'm going to use these words a lot. First off, I'm sure if most of you have heard, like, heard people say, well, this proves that it, I'm right. This evidence proves that X is true. Well, what does that mean, to prove something? Well, to prove means to demonstrate the truth, keyword truth, or the existence of Proposition A. Oh, that's unfortunate, it cuts off right there. A Proposition A, by evidence or by argument. That's Webster's Dictionary, by the way. I didn't make that up. That's Webster's Dictionary. So proving something means to demonstrate the truthfulness of anything. Truthfulness, okay? That's big. Something is true, and you can prove it if you can unequivocally, beyond any shadow of a doubt, say, this is right. Gravity is kind of proven right now. You are all testaments to it at this very moment. Okay, there's one example, right? Next up, evidence. Evidence is facts or information indicating whether a belief or some proposition is true or valid. So you use evidence to build a case for proof. With me so far? Most of you are like, I know this already. Well, I'm taking nothing for granted. Okay. We're going to be talking about evidence a lot in this this series. Next up, valid. What does valid mean? Who here has had a philosophy class? Anybody had a philosophy like 101 or something like that, 105 maybe? No? A few? Maybe. Okay. Well, valid means having sound basis in logic or fact. Or you can think of it as reasonable. So let's say this, I was in a plane crash when I was a kid, not really, but let's say I was. I am now terrified to get in a plane. Is my fear valid? Totally, because I was in a plane crash, okay? That was bad, I'm scared to do it again. Now then, is my fear irrational though? Next up, irrational, not logical or reasonable. Let's say I've never been in a plane crash. I've been in hundreds of planes, got down fine, I'm still terrified. Is my fear valid? Is it reasonable for me to be afraid if I've done it hundreds of times and I've been fine? Sure, but that's one in like two million. Mathematically, is it reasonable? Not, not really. Not really. We're going to be separating how we feel versus how mathematics plays things out, and at least while well, I'm here, because I'm a scientist. So, that's an example of valid, irrational... This is, we're going to be playing with these words a little bit. Okay, are we okay so far? We're not in fun stuff yet, but, you know, we've got to get here. We've got to get this. We good? We good? If you don't do... All right, sweet. Now, the discourse is set. Cool. I submit to you, good people of Alberta, that... Belief in God is reasonable. It is reasonable to believe in God. Now then, tools for the toolbox. (laughs) Remember, share your thoughts at any time. We're going to get into fun stuff now, okay? Go ahead and hop to the next one there. Argument one. We're going to be camping at this for a long time because it seems to always come back to this. God is not real. So many arguments, so many assertions, so many fights can happen from this proposition right here, that God is not real. Your turn. What are some reasons that you have heard, that you have thought about, possibly, that maybe you even still have the question about? I don't care what it is, it's just... Just throw let's start throwing information on the table here let's start learning together what are some things you've heard about that people may have said about reasons why this is true that god is not real it's not tangible. okay unpack that what do you mean not tangible you know this cup is
1: real cuz i can touch it and feel it
0: okay Mm. And physically, you, can't, you know, things of that nature. So, like, it's hard to look and say this is this is intangible. Uh-huh. right. So, reality. In, in so, what I'm breaking. I'm hearing is that some arguments say that reality is linked to the physical. If it is not material, if it's not here, it's not real. Is that kind of what I'm hearing? Sort of, kind of, maybe, ish. Yeah. Okay, okay. All right. Yeah, I agree. There, there's quite a few arguments actually under that umbrella. That's my third point. I'm not going to jump ahead. <laughs> good job, man. Good job. Anybody else? What's something else you've heard? Rack your brain. Think about it. Ooh. Ooh, that's a good one. He's not, did y'all hear that? He's not necessary for X, Y, or Z. Use the example of the universe coming into existence and being you know, created. It's interesting you use the phrase being created, because that implies something. But no, 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 no it's fine, it's fine. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that's very true. Uh, there's many, many people who also hinge arguments on the um, irrelevance of a god or a deity of any kind whatsoever. Okay, good, good, good. So he's intangible. He's not necessary anymore. What else? What else? This is great. Keep him coming. Yo, what's up? Ooh, he lets bad things happen. Oh my gosh, what a good God to let my grandfathers die like they did. What a great God to allow the Holocaust to happen. How loving of a God for wars to exist for so long and people to slaughter each other. Man, God is good. That is perhaps one of the most powerful arguments against the existence of God that people will bring up. It has actually got its own name, the problem of evil, which we also will be discussing. Probably not today, but hopefully, if if there's interest, we'll discuss it next week. What else? This is excellent, guys. What else? Oh, God. You're so prideful. There's so many. There could be so many gods. What about... Allah, what about the, Hindu, the, the Hindi pantheon, Hindu pantheon? Right? Buddhism. There's so many different deities out there. who's to say yours is right? It's probably more likely just everyone's wrong, though, right? That can come out of that argument as well. Excellent, excellent. Okay, one more, one more. Or two more, I don't care. (laughs) Oh, unpack unpack that for me. uh, Indirect evidence, what do you mean? mean? The Bible was written by people, Mm -hmm. and,
1: uh, you know, know, like Jesus said, he was uh, uh, God's son. Okay.
0: No one ever saw him, like Jesus, be the parent. Okay. Yeah, 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 I, I got you, I got you. So the, all this evidence that we talk about as Christians or whatever, it's all, it's all coincidental. It's all, um, what's the word you used again? Indirect. Indirect evidence. There's no empirical evidence, maybe. Some of you may have heard that word before. Empirical meaning, uh, people use it interchangeably for scientific, repeatable, testable, measurable, measurable. that's a good, thank you. Measurable evidence. Oh, this is great. This is oh, going to be so fun, guys. Okay. So then, taking all of those thoughts, taking all those things, I'm going to present to you tonight three of the most common, just because I, I thought this, this may be what, like, what most people run across the first time, of things that are brought forth by normal, everyday people about why God would not exist to them. First up. The theory of evolution tells us how life came to be. Therefore, we don't need a God to make that happen. Now, which umbrella does this fall under in the boxes that you guys just told me earlier? The irrelevance of God. Excellent, yeah. So, uh, I've written on the board here, Modern Evolutionary Synthesis, that is the current theory of... Theory of evolution is actually an old term an old term. It does, it's not called that anymore. Um, it's modern Evolutionary Synthesis is the current rendition of the theory. So, what I'm going to be doing with these is telling you what people say, and then I'll actually tell you what, it re- the, what the theory actually says. Okay, what it actually, work, actually uh, hammers out to be. Um, so... The theory of evolution does not tell us how life came to be. It attempts to explain how life looks the way it does now. Okay? You won't find that in a textbook, but that's, that's, that's what all theories do, is they attempt to explain why things are the way they are today, which is what we see, what we measure today, right? So, uh, I'm about to say something that might ruffle some feathers, but I'm sorry, it's true. Evolution is real, but maybe not in the sense that you know it to be. Who cares about had a biology class? Fun fact, anybody? Yeah, oh, wow. Philosophy, (laughs) biology, (laughs) 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 haha, yeah. It's just interesting, I find these things interesting. So, uh, evolution is defined as change over time. Yeah, that happens. It just happens, okay? It happens. Evolution is divided up into two subcategories. You may have heard this before. There's micro evolution and macroevolution. Macroevolution is what everyone thinks of when they hear the term evolution. Amoeba to fish, to some lizard thing, to mouse, to monkey, to man. Okay? Changing species. That is macro evolution. Macro meaning large scale. Microevolution is defined as changes within a species. So for example, a microevolution you could use to possibly explain the existence of different breeds of dogs. They're all dogs, they're all canines. They can all reproduce. yet there are distinct differences between them. But they're still dog. Cats, same thing. Darwin's Finches, for those of you who are history buffs. Darwin's finches can be explained via microevolution. They're still finches. They're still birds. A bird did not turn into a completely different thing, like a turtle or something. You know, that, that's not really how the, That's not what the theory says. But I'm just trying to uh, get the point across. Microevolution has been documented, observed, and repeated in multiple experiments. Microevolution has. So this is for your information. When someone comes up to you, if I say when, if someone comes up to you and says this, please don't be an ignorant person to say, evolution isn't real, because it is. Just be specific on which kinds, and then you'll probably blow their minds, because they may have not known that that was a thing. Alright, so then, the theory of evolution, or modern evolutionary synthesis, just to give you a crash course on it, it's the idea that life originated from, well, originally inorganic material. Life arose from non-life. At one point, nothing was alive. That's kind of by definition what had to have happened, right? If there is life at one point, there must not have been life. Sort of a logical argument you could make. And if you ascribe to how the universe was made and planets forming around a star and stuff, the planet didn't have water on it at some point, and then it got water on it. I mean, you know, there had to be a time where there was no life. Well, at some point, via random... Keyword, random occurrences, energy given to the system, and time, life came to be. Regardless of which iteration of theory of evolution you look at, that is true. That progression holds true. And then after life became a thing, via random mutations through various means whether it be replication errors of DNA whether it be uh, ultraviolet radiation streaming through the atmosphere damaging a part of the DNA causing the mitosis of the cell to then give rise to an, um, a beneficial change to the species that was then propagated to offspring given a better chance to survival which then more mutations happened which again gave a better trait which allowed it to survive better which was passed on, you see the cycle happening here yeah, that's the idea behind this theory. Now, that's great and all, but let's, let's, let's put the brakes on here and let's back up a minute. You're telling me that rocks came to life? There's a name for this. It's called abiogenesis. Non-life becoming life. I hate to break it to you, but I haven't seen that happen. I, I, I really haven't. Um, experiments were actually done on this, quite a bit. It was first thought, actually, that life could arise in this manner. And some guy put, uh, got some dirt, and I, I kid you not, he got some dirt, put it in a jar. There's a lot of dirt in a big jar. And he baked it to kill anything that could possibly be in the dirt. He then set it out, sealed it, and waited, because he knew that worms were going to appear out of the dirt because that's where life came from. When it didn't happen, he got really mad and threw the dirt away. But, and, then, and then it was, you know, they had to figure out what actually was happening here. So, let me give you some, here's the numbers. Haha! <laughs> hang on to your hats, this is a fun bit. I, I, this is also fun because I got to update my figures here. University of North Carolina, uh, 2015 I believe, uh, the computer science department as a part of a yeah shaking yeah, yeah computer science department as part of a senior project decided to take the most recent models from the biology department about this very thing abiogenesis the likelihood of living things arising out of nonliving things and said you know what you've got numbers we've got computers Let's, make it, let's simulate this. Let's see how likely it is that this happens according to your models and your predictions according to this theory. Tartman said, great, go for it. This sounds perfect. The biology department and biologists today generally say that the simplest form of what we call life must have 256-ish genes. The genes are where the DNA is. That is the instructions for how the organism is to live. The blueprint, if you will. One gene contains around one thousand base pairs of DNA. The actual blueprint. So the DNA is like wrapped up really tight in the gene. In each DNA base pair, there are excuse me, together I I, I, I correct myself, together there are three hundred thousand bases of DNA. Little A, G, T, C, you remember those things from yeah, those things. So then, all of these must also spiral in the same direction because you know DNA is a double helix. That that's cool, you know that cool little strand like that. They all have to be spiraling in the same direction in order to connect correctly. Okay, it's fine, we can plug it in. Given all of those criteria and if you just made a soup of these pairs to connect as they will, shake it up and let it happen. You might want to take a crack at what the, the probability is. Some endless number? Some endless number? That's, a, that's a very accurate, very accurate statement. Um, for you math whizzes in here, it is on the order of 10 to the negative 90,000. That's 1 over 10 with 90,000 000 zeros after it. Now, this wasn't some conspiracy creation, Ken Ham Museum, Prove God Exists group. This was the computer science department of the University of North Carolina using the biology department's findings. Okay? Now, that number is stupid. That's just a stupid number. Let me put, you know, I can help them here. here here's where I, my math expertise jumped in. Let's make every molecule on the planet Earth a DNA a DNA building block. Every molecule, the whole earth, is one big soup now. Great, that's 10 to the 100 molecules. That'll help. Okay, cool. Now it's, the chances are 10 to the negative 89,900. That's fine. That's, that's, we're okay. Um, you know what? Every atom in the universe. Let's do it. 10 to the 123 atoms in the entire universe. Think about that, the universe. Every atom in the universe was a DNA building block, all together ready to connect at random to form the simplest possible definition of life. We also let them try 1,000 times per second. For the lifetime of the universe, 13.7 billion years. The chances to get it right, given all of that, are 10 to the negative uh, 88,054. Let me put that into perspective. Up to the next one there, Kyle. For reference, the likelihood that today is your birthday is 10 to the negative 3. One out of 365. Cool. So imagine that today is your birthday. And you get on a plane to go somewhere for your birthday. And you find out on the plane that you won the lottery. Oh, and in, oh gosh, I'm so sorry, you're in a plane crash. So during the plane crash on which you won a lottery on your birthday, you get in a parachute, you jump out, and your parachute fails. On the way down with your parachute failing, you're struck by lightning. After you're struck by lightning, you're hit by a meteorite three times. Then you hit the ground and live. That's happened. Cool. That total probability is 10 to the negative 55. If that sequence of events happened to you and the person sitting next to you on the plane every day for two and a half months in a row, that is almost the number that I just quoted to you for every atom in the universe trying a thousand times for the history of the entire universe to create the simplest form of definable life. Using, again, the models given by a university biology department. What's this about reasonable and rational arguments again? It is reasonable to believe in God. Next up, real fast here, the Big Bang Theory. Actually, I I I believe uh, you mentioned this, creation of the universe, right? Big Bang Theory, I I see the time also, uh, I'll, I'll speed ahead here. The Big Bang Theory tells us where the universe came from, so we don't need a God to tell us where the universe comes from. Well, as an astrophysicist, that hits, this hits me very near and dear to the heart. Um, number one, that's, that's false. Um, the Big Bang Theory attempts to explain why the universe looks the way it does today. It does not touch where the universe came from. In fact, I'll give you one better. We can't even see the beginning of the universe. We can't, with our super powerful telescopes. If we look far enough away, we start actually looking back in time. If you want to know about that, come talk to me afterwards. We can look so far back in time that we can see this huge, shimmering wall of light that's everywhere up, down, left, right, backwards. It doesn't matter. There's this impenetrable, blinding wall of light. And it's hot. Really, really hot. Almost like there was an explosion in the universe. That's where the Big Bang model came from. Because we cannot see the beginning of the universe, the Big Bang theory has no merit when it tries to talk about what happened before, therefore, it doesn't. Science is only what is testable, measurable, visible. We can't see the beginning of the universe. Therefore, the Big Bang Theory does not attempt to describe what created the universe. It does not attempt to describe what was there before the universe. It simply starts 10 to the negative 43, I think, or 42 seconds after the universe began. Again, if you want to know where that number came from, just ask me afterwards. So then... The Big Bang Theory, it's great for saying what, why things look the way they do, but if someone tries to tell you that it proves that God doesn't exist, no, it doesn't even talk about where the universe came from or what caused the universe. It simply says, the universe is here already. Here's what happened afterwards. That is the Big Bang Theory. That's all it is. I use it in my research all the time because it works really well for describing why things look the way they do. So it's, it's useful. Okay. Now then, this is perhaps my favorite one right here. Hop the next one for me, Cal. Well, you can't prove God exists, therefore he doesn't. This is off of what you talked about, actually. Uh, can I get a brave volunteer to come up here real quick? I'm going to ask you a question, that's all. It's, it's not, For real, it's not embarrassing or anything. Come on, come on, come on. Stand right, stand right here. All right. Let me ask you a question. Okay, simple question. Are you real? Yes. Yes. Sweet. Can can you prove to me that you're real? What? (laughs) But you. But you said you're real. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) But can you prove to me that you are real? No. What? Why? Then what? Are you real then? I'm confused. I hope I'm real. (laughs) Oh my goodness, that's funny. Okay, 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 we can get through this existential crisis, okay? Um, So, how about this, how about this? Can you shake my hand? Yes. Okay, I I feel that, I feel that, that's good. Okay, thank you, I feel that, cool. But wait a minute, I feel that when I'm dreaming. You might be part of my dream. So you may not be real. Um, but I hear you. No, I hear you when I'm dreaming. I hear people when I'm dreaming, too. Um, let's see. Wait, am I in the Matrix? Hold on. Thank you. You can go and sit down now. So, can you prove to anyone that you exist? Ooh. Do you know that you're not dreaming right now? Really? How? tell me. You've had some super realistic dreams, I know you have. And you don't, by and large, you don't know you're dreaming while you're dreaming. In very rare instances you do, but most of the time you don't. It, it, is, it is your reality while you're dreaming. But is it real? No. What? What in the world? Well, this, took a, this took a left field turn here. But this is this is important. If people say that we cannot prove that God exists, therefore He doesn't. You can't prove to me you exist, therefore you don't. I could be hallucinating right now. Woo! These pain meds are good. Do do you see though? Do you see? Do you see what's happening here? We can't prove we can't prove the world exists. Descartes, philosophy here again, but Descartes back in the day, he came across the same crisis, and the only thing he was able to say was, You know what? I think, therefore I am. I don't know about you guys, but I know I exist. And I'm pretty sure you know you exist on most days. After finals, I'm not so sure. (laughs) But you know you exist. But tell me, do you believe that others exist? Do you believe there are minds outside your own that populate this world? You act like you do. And belief is defined as something that you think so strongly it changes your behavior. So yeah, you do believe that there are other people out there. But you can't prove it. Uh Uh-oh. What we've run across are things called justified foundational beliefs. Things that you must believe, and you are justified in believing it, in order to operate in the outside world, even though they are scientifically unprovable. I thought science was king. Not when it comes to existence. Ha! Take that science. So then a few, th- three tools for your tool about tonight. Uh, it's about 10 minutes until, we, uh, until 9 o'clock. So, this has been, this has, this has been it's fun for me at least. Um, but Whoa, what was that? I it was a mouse or something. Okay, no, we're, we're good, we're good. Okay, so then. I wanna open up for the rest of this time. Do you, what are your thoughts? I've been up here monologuing like crazy. What are your thoughts right now? What are you feeling? What are you thinking? Is there something, uh, another point that you would like to bring up? I want this to be open for you guys. This is going to be a springboard for next week, okay? Because I want to bring to you what you need. And there is a, uh, there's a number, I believe, Kyle, uh, that has been set up to uh, text questions anonymously. So if you're like, I don't want to say words, but I can type words, then uh, Kyle can anonymously uh, look through it and find cool ones to ask. So do you, do you have anything to kick us off? Uh, not yet. Oh, okay, not yet. Cool. What would someone like to be the brave? The brave? Frontline. Maybe? Sure. Yeah, yeah. You can fight it out. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, how do you reconcile, um, in Scripture, the
1: timeline
0: with oh. the timeline as yeah. the astrophysicist? Yo. So I, I know it's So, uh, she's asking about the timelines, uh, I I assume you're speaking of the creation account in Genesis, yes? Oh, we got the microphone we can use, Kyle? Oh, we're good. Uh, We're good, okay, all right. Uh, So, the creation account in Genesis 1, I believe you're saying, in the beginning God created heavens and stuff and days and things. Okay, cool. (laughs) Now, reconciling those two, uh, as if you've read or at least uh, heard in the account of Genesis, it says there are seven days in the English translation. On the seventh day, God rests, really six days. Uh, of creation, and various things happen on those days. Well, there are three there we go, sweet technology. There are three, yes, three main schools of thought when it comes to this in terms of create this, this is branching into creationism, which is totally something we can talk about next week if you like, and I can go deeper into it. like the science nuts and bolts of creationism. Um, but in general, there are three views one is young earth creationism it is actually the minority right now amongst christians if you were to pull them for whatever reason or another young earth creationism believes that the six days or seven days of creation were seven literal days 24-hour periods and that everything was the universe and everything was created very quickly with age matured and ready to go people planets stars galaxies all of it um, in those seven days and then here we go we start and that puts the age of the earth at around six to 10,000 years old, depending on how you interpret uh, some t- sections of time in the Old Testament. Old earth creationism says, I mean, things really look like they're old, okay? Like rocks look like they're re- like 5 like billion years old, okay? Space looks like 13.7 billion years old. If it looks that way, why wouldn't it be? Why would God trick us that way in making something look like one way when it's really something else? So that, that thought gave rise to old earth creationism, saying that life, was, life and everything was still created by God. However, instead of the seven days, as in 24-hour cycles, it uses the Hebrew word yom, Y-O-M, I think is uh, the, the spelling for that, which has also been used in the Old Testament to refer to not 24-hour days, but as in ages. The day of the king, meaning not just a day, but a reign, an entire dynasty of a king. So, that one word can be used in multiple contexts for long and short periods of time. If you adopt that, now the six or seven days can become seven ages of creation. The age of light, the age of oceans, the age of continents, the age of plants, fish, animals, people. And then you have the final one, which is theistic evolution excuse me, a theistic evolution. yes. That is the belief that evolution, as given in modern evolutionary synthesis, macroevolution species evolving to other species over long periods of time, did occur. But it was guided specifically by God, so that it would not fail. Because we already saw the numbers, right? Random chance doesn't work. But if there is an intelligence guiding it, it can very well work. So they uh, attempt to merge the two and say that the science is true of evolution, but we know God exists and he is sovereign and he has created this. Therefore, he used evolution to make things as they are today. Those are the three predominant schools of thought. If you're interested, let us know uh, via the text thing, please. He can get those throughout. Uh, You can get those throughout the week, right? If you're interested in this kind of stuff, send him a quick blast so that I can get a census of uh, what you guys would like to hear uh, or discuss next week. Does that that help you out? Okay. Notice I didn't tell you what I thought. Because that's not what I'm here to do. Anything else? Anything else? What else? Excellent. My question was very similar. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Does that that you know, there is a God like, does it need to and that was very much your third like, train of thought yeah not at all yeah. not at all because you still have the obstacle of non-life to life life had to originate somehow right given hundreds of billions of universes it still should, we still shouldn't be here mathematically we should not exist bugs should not exist good grief stars should not exist okay these things shouldn't be which is actually a whole other argument. It's called the cosmological argument that we could also talk about um, as to the existence of God being evidence for the existence of God because things exist. It's a very general argument. It's, it's, it's a fun one. We could also talk about that as well if you'd like next week. Or after this. I don't care. I'm going to be here a while. <laughs> yeah? Great. Right. So you have at least proven the existence of God that you haven't proven the existence of? God. Oh. I have not proven the existence of any God because the existence of God cannot be proven. I'm trying to show that it is reasonable to believe there is a God. I'm sorry, it's semantics, but it's important it's semantics. It's That's a very good point, actually. He's saying that uh, the cases that I've brought up are to show that a God exists. You are exactly right. None of this touches as to the nature of said God, other than that God being omnipotent, omnipresent, and outside of time. Those are the only three classifications that can be attributed to this, this God, this creator God, based upon arguments such as the cosmological argument. But the nature of said God falls on other things. You need other sources other than what I um, am proposing to present right now. But yeah, that's very true. That's very true. But the first step is, towards anything, is do we agree that something else exists or not? A de- you must believe in a deity before you can believe in some deity, right? The specifics of some deity. Does that, does that help a little bit? Ish? Sense, it's like the yeah. Like the first supposition of proof. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You have to start somewhere, right? And, and talking about justified foundational beliefs, uh, if we if next week I want to start on this, um, I would propose to you that belief in a God is a justified foundational belief via the evidence that is given by the stuff we can talk about later it is a belief that you can justifiably hold even though it cannot be empirically proven just like you can believe that other people exist even though i can't prove that you exist sweet it's a very good point to bring up actually about the nature of said deity very good point yeah you got something maybe so the wall of life, right? yes. yes um Ooh, okay, yeah, that's getting into some theological stuff. Um, that wall of light is known as the cosmic microwave background. It is the remnants of uh, an era known as recombination, where the universe cooled enough to allow electrons to bind to atoms, once, or bind to nuclei once again, and a lot of radiation and energy was released in that process. Because before that, the universe was so tight and compact, this is according to the Big Bang Theory, by the way, the universe was so small, tight, and compact that it was, it was essentially like staring into the surface of the sun. The entire universe was a plasma torch, okay? Same physics, actually. So um, what we're seeing, we believe, is the remnants, the leftover heat of that moment. As referring to what you were talking about in the Age of Light, uh, that would need to you'd be, you'd be careful. I'm, I'm not sure exactly which, which text you're pointing to, but I'd be more than happy to look at it and see. Uh, there's a lot of fun fun, uh, fun uh, analogies you can draw and conjectures you can make, but you've got to be really careful, like really careful. It's worth looking into that. All right. It is 9 o'clock, by the way, so uh, I, I will be here until Kyle kicks me out. So uh, if well, we can keep doing it this way, record, we can turn off, it doesn't matter. It's up to you. Can you do maybe one or two more questions? Okay. Wrap up? I have one from the text. Yeah. I'm so I'm a third answer, right? Do it. Uh huh. early spontaneous generation theory. Okay. Uh, I believe so, yes. Abiogenesis is, uh, to give the definition again, I, I should have put it up on the screen. Abiogenesis is life arising from non life. I'm not going too technical terms. You have no life, inorganic material, and then from inorganic material, not organic, but life comes from that. There's a difference between organic material and life. Organic material is methane, ammonia, anything with a hydrogen or nitrogen combined into it. Uh, You need to get life. Life is defined as self-replicating, uses energy. Really, that's really the the two main... They've really narrowed or widened the definition for life lately. Those are the two main ones. Uses energy and self-replicating. and repeat exact phrasing for the second thing. Oh, um, and, uh, early early spontaneous, generation theory. early spontaneous generation theory. That specific theory I haven't read up on, uh, but from the name I would gather that it's along the same sort of lines of early being, well, early, and spontaneous being of its own accord. And I would assume generation meaning, well, probably if it's in consequence of this life, arising spontaneously, meaning on its own, but it's the same, it, to me it's the same thing, if, if you know more about it, whoever you are, please text that in, unless you just go and talk to me afterwards, because that's, I always like to learn new things, I'm always trying to learn new things, because if there's a hole, I want to know it, because I need to fill it, it's like an obsession, okay, but it's a, it's a good obsession, like I, I, that's how I learn, I, I, challenge me, please, try to do it, just let's go, just do it, not really, but uh, I, I want to know, I want to know, all right. Got a question? When you talk about the theological evolution, what yes. about the, like, like the metamorphosis as an example? Of it? Ah, okay, 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 okay. I see, I see, I see. So the big difference between those two is that for creatures that do go through these drastic changes, like, these, like the uh, metamorphosis of different uh, creatures into seemingly other creatures, the key there is that if you actually look at them, their DNA doesn't change. They are the same species, they're just different stages of life. That's the biggest thing. So it's still the same critter. They haven't changed into a different creature altogether. It's just they have an extremely cool mechanism for growing and adapting and surviving. That's cool, yeah. That would have been definitely been something that would uh, that would have been asked really early on as a, a counterpoint to this, before we knew about DNA. Hello. Anything else in the text? Nope. Sweet. All right. Cool. Uh, in that case, uh, do you need do you need to announce anything, or can I, I can close this out? Sweet, I'll do that. So I will be here again if you're interested to talk more about random stuff. Come find me. I'll be here until Kyle kicks me out. Okay, thank you so much for your time, your attention. Text your interests for next week. I want to make next week about you guys and what you want to know. Anything sciencey related, space, biology, philosophy even, bring it. Let's do this. All right, let me pray for us. Father, we love you. We come before you heads bowed in honor and reverence of your majesty, your might, your grace, your love, your sovereignty over creation. Thank you, God, for creating. Thank you for being who you are. Taking the time, the thought, the care to form such an intricate and beautiful and improbable world that shouldn't even exist according to the own laws that it is governed by. Lord, you are amazing you are brilliant, and I thank you that you love us so much. But I pray that you would use this time to glorify yourself, that we would learn from one another, that we would be challenged, that we would not shy away from hard questions, because it is through these hard questions that we open our eyes and seek your face. And you say, Whoever seeks you will not be disappointed, God. We will find you. I pray that we would be seekers. Thank you so much for everyone who is here. I pray that you would richly bless them, give them good rest tonight so they wake up in the morning energized, ready to go, do their hardest work to glorify you, to do well in their classes, to use the gifts that you have given them. Bring us back safely as we gather again to encourage one another, to learn from your word, to seek your face. Thank you for this evening. It's in Jesus' name that we all pray, Amen.